0: Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Monday, June 7th, 2021.
1: And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, we want to remind everybody that uh, we are posting on a bi-weekly schedule now because it is summer and Ethan and I are away at summer camp. Talking about meat and potatoes, you might not be able to get them in the US at this time, or you might see that they're higher priced now because of shortages that have swept the whole country relating to products from meat and potatoes to cars, to lumber, to aluminum. There are shortages across the country leading to much higher prices across the country.
1: And this is not just the same thing as in the beginning of the pandemic when we saw a lot of hoarding, people buying a lot of toilet paper and people uh, buying a lot of cleaning supplies and there's they're running out of it. This is something different. This goes back not to the front end where we see the people, the consumers buying things. This goes back to really the back end, the, the source. It comes down to where these products are being made and the whole idea of supply chains. So right now, some of the biggest shortages are
0: semiconductors, uh, which are in most electronics. They're in the microphones that we're recording on now or in the computers. They're in everything. They're in our phones. Most semiconductors are from China or Taiwan. Um, so we cannot import them at this time and they cannot make enough of them at this time to, to fulfill consumer demand. So we have seen shortages. Um, that's why companies like Ford have not been able to produce as many cars as they would have liked because they can't get the, the, the semiconductors. And that's also why we're not going to see a new phone from Samsung this year. That's why we, you still can't get a PS5. It's very hard to get because there's just, there's just not enough parts to go around.
1: Yeah. And this is really seen in all aspects of the electronics industry, but this is also seen And not just semiconductors, but other things like we said with food. I was at a restaurant the other night. My dad wanted a crab salad, but the waiter said we actually don't sell the crab salad anymore because we can't really get crab for a cheap price anymore. It's gone up by like double the price because they just aren't shipping it as much. And so it wouldn't really be fair for us to charge you twice now. But it really shows that everything is in high demand, but actually getting it is really unobtainable anymore at the amount we used to get it at. So, so what is the reasoning for all these shortages? What is the triggering event? Well, it comes down to COVID. So obviously, as we said, the pandemic hit really hard. This is the main cause of all of these shortages. It forced the US to really increase all of our imports because we couldn't make anything. Everyone was in lockdown. We couldn't, you know, manufacture our products like we used to. So we had to really import from places like China and across the world to get all of our goods and products. And this really put a lot of increase and tension on our ports. Now, there were way more ships trying to come in to places like L.A. and California, but there weren't actually room for these ships to dock. There were ships, really like dozens of them. You can see dozens of ships uh, in these waters surrounding the ports that are just kind of at flow and are actually not docked yet. They're waiting to actually get it in the actual port and unload, but they don't have room for them right now. So there are ships really waiting weeks at a time to get in. That's like almost the length of the entire time to travel across from Japan to the US. It's just waiting in the bay to actually unload.
0: And ports are so, so... Um, pressed for time now. They're trying to get ships in as quickly as possible, but they don't have the time to reload many empty containers onto the ships. So uh, the U.S. only exports 40 containers to back to Asia for every 100 containers imported. So now the, the 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 ports say we're going to put empty containers back onto these ships. What's the point? So they're, they're not reloading the containers uh, back to these ships, and then back in Asia they don't have enough the containers because they can't get them from from the U.S. ports. Now there's a t- uh, global container shortage, and has caused the the price of containers to go up like double.
1: Right, and in these ships that are just sitting there, there's those are where your goods are. They're just sitting there and they're wasting away. So what ends up happening is that goods that are perishable maybe end up going bad or things that aren't perishable still can't get to you because they're actually there, but they're not really there. They're just waiting. And so you can't actually get get your hands on what you actually want. And this has caused prices to increase by crazy amounts really in every aspect of our lives.
0: COVID was obviously the triggering event for all of this, right? It caused more demand. Um, It causes people, you know, wood is up 250% lumber. It causes people, you know, people want to build new houses. People want to renovate. They need all that wood. That's an example of increased demand. That's the triggering event. But all these shortages that we're seeing represent vulnerabilities in the system that the global supply chain runs on.
1: Right. The system that our world runs on has a lot of problems. It's very vulnerable. It doesn't take into account for natural disasters like COVID or trade wars or strikes and other natural disasters like a earthquake or a tsunami. It doesn't take into account for these a lot of the time. And, that, and when these events hit, that's when we have huge problems. So the
0: global supply chain, the majority of manufacturing around the world, works on a system called just-in-time manufacturing. And this means that a product is made right when it is needed. And it arrives at the factory to be needed and made into another product right when it is needing needed. So for example, if you if a piece of sheet metal that is going to be made into a car door, it arrives at the car door factory the day that it's going to be pressed and made into a car door. And then it arrives at the final assembly line to be put on the car, that door is to be put on the car, arrives at the final assembly line on the day it's going to be put onto the car. So it's a very Specific system where things always have to arrive at a perfect time. And the reason everything works this way is to save the most amount of money. Companies don't want to be stockpiling all this product because that just causes extra money. And a lot of the time, if there's not enough demand for the stockpiled product, it causes them to lose money. So companies want to make what they're using and use what they make. And the way they do that is by making something
1: and immediately shipping it off to be sold. Yeah, exactly. If you have thousands of products that are just waiting there at one step in a supply chain to be used, that's a storage cost that you're paying. And so basically, just-in-time manufacturing eliminates all real storage costs uh, to the best of its ability. And this was actually created by Toyota. The car manufacturer in Japan adopted this idea and basically said that this makes sense. This will save us a lot of profits. And it worked really well for them. And this has been done since the 60s, the 50s maybe, but it's been a while. It's been there for a while and it's actually attracted everyone across the world, not even just in car manufacturing, but also in other industries. And it's now used as one of the main forms of manufacturing. So it's now in use across the world, but other companies that are not Toyota are using it in reckless ways. Toyota really thought about it. And thought, how do we use this? How do we use it in an efficient way, in a safe way? Does it really make sense for our company? Does it make sense for our environment? But other companies aren't thinking about that. They just see the initial profits and say, I'm buying into this. They're not thinking down the road when there is a supply chain storage, when there's a supply chain disruption and they now have no access to their parts. There's no stockpile anymore, so they can't get the actual things that they need.
0: So what happens is uh, you have all these companies around the world. They take the Toyota's plan. It's called the Toyota production plan, and they implement it in their factories. But what they they focus on is using just-in-time manufacturing to the best of their abilities. They make it exactly just-in-time manufacturing. To save the most amount amount of money in the short term, so they can please uh, shareholders, right? So they they save the most amount of money, and that's how they increase their profits. But when they don't have so stockpiles, a disruption comes, like COVID, and Ford didn't have semiconductors stocked up. Well, they couldn't receive semiconductors from Asia. What they couldn't they couldn't keep producing cars because they had no stockpile. The balance in a just in time manufacturing system is balancing efficiency that just-in-time manufacturing gives you, and reliability. Because when you have a disruption, you don't want it to shut down your whole operation. You want your your operation to be reliable, and you want it to be resilient.
1: Right. And so Toyota implemented this efficiently because back a few years ago, they got hit by a huge earthquake, and this destroyed a lot of their facilities. And they realized that some things they were okay with, there were a lot of plastics that they were still able to recover and find. And they were okay with not having that right away during this disaster. But things like semiconductors that were hard to come across, they actually suffer from. So they decided that there were certain things that maybe weren't created so equally in the supply chain and that they needed more. So they started stockpiling things like semiconductors to have a few months uh, worth of and that way, if there was some sort of natural disaster or some sort of event that blocked their supply chains, they would still be okay. And so now during this pandemic, they've done pretty well and they've actually been able to use their semiconductors that they had in the stockpile to survive in this supply chain disruption.
0: What's interesting about just in time manufacturing is that it doesn't work the same for each supplier. You know, if you're making a car, you're going to have certain suppliers, like Ethan said, that are going to be reliable. So if there's a disruption and uh, you know COVID disrupts plastic production, well, plastic production is something that can be picked up very, very, very quickly. That is something that that can can stop one day and pick up the next day. So it, it won't be a real big disruption because a couple of days later you'll start back up again. But semiconductor production is something that takes months and months and months. So a couple days of disruption in in the semiconductor factories can cause months and months and months of delays. That's why it's important for companies to to recognize that just-in-time is going to make less sense for semiconductors. Because if there's a disruption, uh, the semiconductors are going to to take months and months and months to get. And therefore, they should be stockpiled and not use the just-in-time method.
1: But other companies didn't use this method. They had no stockpiles and they didn't have semiconductors. And now they're practically screwed. They had none of their backup products that they really needed. And they weren't able to produce the goods and services that they promised their customers. And now we see the situation that we see now where things are rising in price or you you can't buy it. You go to the store and they don't have the product you need. I go to the restaurant, they don't have the crab that my dad wanted. So it really shows that it's important to really know how to prepare for these natural disasters because they come. The long-term disadvantages that come with just-in-time manufacturing when you have a natural disaster are worse.
0: What's interesting is we're now seeing the aftermath of these shortages, and it turns out it's hurting the economy a lot. So one example of this is in the travel industry. About a year ago, during the beginning of covid Big uh, rental car companies like Hertz, like Enterprise, like National, they sold off all their cars because they needed to make profit when people weren't driving last year. They needed cash flow. So they sold off all their cars. They figured they would buy their cars back again um, when they needed them. But this year, when they wanted to buy back their cars because demand was increasing a lot and people were traveling once again, they couldn't because they can't buy cars because cars don't have the semiconductors and they're not being produced. There's not enough of them to go around. So all these huge Car companies can't, they don't have enough supply for people to rent. People can't get cars for rentals around the country. Car price, car rental prices are skyrocketing. You know, you hear stories of in Alaska, rental car prices are like $600 a day. That's insane. Whereas a year ago, it would have been $80 a day. The, these prices are just outrageous and it's hurting the economy because less people are traveling because of them um, and less people are stimulating the economy with their cash injections.
1: So what do we learn from this? We learn that our manufacturing system is very vulnerable. It has no real substantial backup plan for when things go wrong. And now we need to implement more safety precautions. That way we don't see this sort of crisis again when we have another pandemic or another natural disaster, another disruption. And if we do plan for that, then we have a situation like Toyota has where they're doing okay.
0: Thank you everybody for listening. This concludes this week's episode of The Young Perspective. You can find more of us at theyoungperspective.net, email us at ejtheyoungperspective at gmail.com, and you can find our Instagram at the underscore young underscore perspective. Remember, everybody, we're away for the summer, so we post bi-weekly. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and remember,
1: this was The Young Perspective.